Good morning. Um, my name is Steve McLeister. I'm one of the elders here at Central, and it's great to be joining you this morning and continue um, to look at the the big overarching story of the Bible in the series we're doing at the moment. And um, we're going to continue to look at um, the relationship that God wants to have with his people and how we can fulfill our responsibility to be the people of God. God. Um, and this morning we want to um, gain further insight and further wisdom uh, about our relationship with God and about our responsibility to fulfill the calling that he has put on uh, on us as his people. Not, not so long ago, just a matter of weeks ago, there were uh, elections throughout the UK. It was uh, dubbed as Super Thursday with so many different elections happening throughout the whole of the United Kingdom. And uh, in our house for the first time, all five of us, uh, my wife and myself and our three children were all voting uh, together. And um, uh, when we come to choose leaders, um, sometimes it's filled with, um, some, sometimes it's great, we, we, we get to choose who is going to lead us, um, who's going to set the, the direction for country, for, for local area. Um, but sometimes it's tinged with um, with uh, less than happy news, with news of the misappropriation of funds by some leaders and the misuse of power. But it is still an important thing to participate in. And um, uh, although we may become jaded uh, uh, with the political process. And today's story has, has elements of that in it, um, where we see some leaders uh, misusing power, um, but the story is about who we choose to lead us. I'd like us to turn to um, 1 Samuel chapter 8. I'm going to read um, the first nine verses there. So 1 Samuel chapter 8. And it says there, as Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons to be judges over Israel. Joel and Abijah, his oldest sons, held court in Beersheba. But they were not like their father, for they were greedy for money. They accepted bribes and perverted justice. Finally, all the elders of Israel met at Ramah to discuss the matter with Samuel. Look, they told him, you're now old and your sons are not like you. Give us a king to judge us like all the other nations. Samuel was displeased with their request and went to the Lord for guidance. Do everything they say to you, the Lord replied, for they're rejecting me, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Ever since I brought them from Egypt, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods. And now they're giving you the same treatment. Do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them. So the people ask for a king, and in asking for a king, what they're doing is actually rejecting God as their king. So as it says in verse 8, um, God speaks to Samuel, and he says, Ever since I brought them from Egypt, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods, and now they are giving you the same treatment. God had been their king. He, has the, he was the one who had rescued them from Egypt, who had led them for 40 years through the wilderness, 
He had fought for them. He gave them the land which they were now uh, dwelling and living in. He had guided them in what was right and what was wrong through giving them the law. He had formed them into a nation. And now they were rejecting God's authority. They looked around and looked at the way other nations lived and said, well, we want to be like that. And what they were doing was jeopardizing their relationship with God. They were allowing the norms of the nations to lead them, the culture around them to lead them, rather than allowing God to lead them. And as it says um, in, in the passage we read, that there's been a history of rejection of God. God says to Samuel, they've, they've, they've always, they've continually abandoned me. Even when God had led them out of Egypt, rescued them from slavery, they were in the desert and they created a golden calf and bowed down and worshipped that. And even if we go back right to the start of the history of God's people, right back to Adam and Eve, the issue there was that they rejected God's uh, authority. They chose to do what God had commanded them not to do. They thought better. They thought they knew better than God and uh, listened to the serpent and and uh, ate the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's this history of turning away and rejecting God. Our relationship with God is dependent on us allowing him to lead us. His role in our relationship is to rule over us, to reign. And that may seem unpopular these days with people um, not liking power relationships and people getting jaded with um, poor examples of leadership. But at the end of the day, God is God. The contemplative John Merton in his autobiographical book, Seven Story Mountain, talks about that being a turning point in his journey from someone who didn't know God, who didn't grow up um, knowing God or going to church. His turning point came when he realized that God was not like other leaders. God was above all things. He was before all things. He was the source of all things. God would never come to an end. He was independent of anything outside of himself. We've just sung, haven't we? There's no one like you. There's no one beside you, which is why we worship him. So God didn't claw his way up to the position of power. He's not clinging on uh, well beyond his sell-by date. He hasn't been chosen and just waiting until another leader is to be chosen to put into his place. He hasn't got in by the back door. There's no, we're not waiting around until there's a, there's a better choice. No, God is reigning over everything. God is God because that's who he is. He is sovereign. And it's central. One of our three catch lines is following Jesus. And that's what we mean when we say following Jesus. We mean submitting our whole lives, putting ourselves, choosing to put ourselves under the authority, uh, rulership of God for the things we like and the things that we struggle with, we submit our lives to him. 
Um, it's been great as, as lockdown has been easing over the last few weeks. And um, finally, I've been allowed in work to, to leave my home. In which I've been working on from home for the last year. And um, I am involved in educating the next generation of teachers at Edinburgh University. And I've been allowed to go out and visit the students on placement to give them feedback on their progress. And one continual bit of feedback that I have to give these new teachers who've uh, maybe had a bit less um, uh, practice and experience in the classroom this year um, is, to, is to talk through what it means to be a leader in the classroom. And I say to them, if you don't lead, someone else will. If you're not going to take responsibility for everything that happens in that room, in that classroom, other people will lead. The loud will lead, the bully might lead, the bored will lead, the lazy, or the class clown will lead. And so for some of them, it's about stepping up, taking that responsibility and saying, I need to lead. So in terms of life, it isn't about choosing whether we have someone to lead over us. It's choosing who or what we have to lead over us. Samuel's sons, they, they had rejected God's leadership, but something came into its place. They, they sought after wealth. They allowed wealth to lead them and get into all sorts of bother with bribery and things like that when, in leading God's people. So it's not a, a matter of whether we will allow someone to lead us, but who are we going to allow to lead us? The changing culture around us, is that going to be our, our leading light? Our wealth, our own desires, will we allow our own desires to lead us, our own fears? No, God wants to be the, the leader, the supreme leader in our life. So which parts of our lives do we find it hard to follow God? Which parts of our lives do we find it hard to allow God to lead us in? The second thing in terms of when the people ask for a king, they're also rejecting their calling. God, uh, they wanted to be like everyone else, to be like all the other nations around them. And God had called them to be different. He had called them to be set apart, to be a different type of people. But they wanted to be like everyone else. And so they were rejecting that call to be different. And that calling on people can be traced all the way back to Adam and Eve. They were made in the image of God in order to reflect who God was like to the rest of creation. When Abraham was called, he was called to be blessed so that he could be a blessing to the nations. When God called the people of Israel together in, in the wilderness under Moses, in Exodus 19, he says, I, I want to make you a kingdom of priests to reflect God to the world, to reflect uh the uh, people to represent people back to me as your God. So God wanted to lead them for the sake of the world. He wanted them to be a people uh, that were different. And in rejecting God as king, they were rejecting that responsibility to be God's people on earth. How can we take our responsibility to represent God to those around us seriously. We've just heard from Kay how they're doing that in their neighbourhood. How can we do that, take that responsibility seriously? What, what happens next in the story? So the, the people have rejected God as their king and they want another king. What does God do in response? Samuel 
is obviously aggrieved. They're they're casting aspersions against him and his family. They're they're maybe you know your your sons are not not like you. Maybe he felt personally um, aggrieved because they were casting, they were doubting his own parenting skills. But when Samuel takes the situation to God, God says, "Do everything they say to you." God allows them to choose a different way. And it's because of the relationship that God wants to have with his people. It's in love that God lets them choose. He doesn't force them into something that they don't want. He wants them to choose him. Because if he forces them, then it's, it's no longer love. When my children were very, very small, when they were babies, they didn't really do much. They um, they slept, they ate, and they pooped. Basically, those were those were the basic things that they did. And um, I could pick them up and put them wherever I wanted. I I had a lot of control over them. Now, if that relationship had stayed like that, I could just choose, you know, when we went out, where they went, where where I put them, when they went to bed. If that just changed, it would be a very, very strange relationship nowadays um, with my children who are growing up, um, two adult girls at home and a teenage boy. No, as as they grew up, I wanted them to choose to spend time with me. I wanted them to choose the what I felt were right uh, decisions for them. So about maturing and, and growing that relationship is about them deciding to spend time with me and it's it's great that my children do, still amazingly want to spend time with me and um, I've got two very good uh, Monroe bagging partners in, in my two daughters which is great. God doesn't want unthinking allegiance like a dictator. God wants willing obedience like a children, uh, like a father and children, like a parenting and children relationship. It's also in love that God warns that there will be consequences. And if we read further in the passage in in 1 Samuel 8, um, God warns them that there's going to be forced labor, that the kings will conscript them to fight, that they will, kings will take their food and farmland, that they will um, demand service from their children, that they will levy taxes from them, which is in complete contrast to the God who's gifted them this land and gifted them so much. And there were consequences. It was only by the fourth king into Israel that we had David, uh, Saul, and then David, and then Solomon. And Solomon's son Rehoboam took over, and a division came into the kingdom. And one of the the complaints of the people is the king has put a a heavy burden on us. God's warnings um, had had consequences, and it's in God, it's in love that God warns us. He puts guidance in place. He doesn't want to spoil uh, our plans, but he wants to to, uh, prosper us. So it's in love that God warns us. And he wants us to choose so that we can change, so that we can be the people that we are called to be. But it's also in love that God continues to make himself to them just as they are. God didn't warn them. And then when they chose a king, just walk off and leave them. No, God knows 
the people that he's calling. He knows he has experienced that continual rejection, the continual series of poor choices from the people. He knows that he doesn't have an idealized, perfect uh, people. And he c continues to commit to them. He continues to um, call them to himself, continues to call them his people. He allows them and gives them room to make mistakes, to learn, to make those good choices. Our culture often values what we achieve, what we can produce, how we can entertain people. Our culture always values the best, people who are perfect at things, what we can give, but God values who we are. He has made us in his image, made us for relationship with him. He has made us to take a responsibility to reflect his image to other people. And all these other things that we do, they're secondary to that big purpose. And sometimes when we do make mistakes, sometimes when we do make poor choices, we we take ourselves out of the running of receiving God's love. Maybe that's you. And today I want to say God has continued to commit himself to you. He's not abandoned you. He still wants a relationship with you. He still wants you to be a part of fulfilling your responsibility to be part of the people of God, to reflect his love to the rest of the world. As it says in Psalm 36, 5, your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds, there's no getting away from, there's no moving beyond the love of God. Where do we need to stop and receive God's love again this morning? So how do we continue to be faithful to the calling that God has placed on us, take that responsibility to be God's people seriously. And I think we do that by, by learning to obey his word. God didn't just walk off and leave them. And it's less of an issue about what form of government God wanted for the people of God. It's less about having a, a, a king or not having a king, but it is all about the people obeying and following God. Way back when uh, Moses was was leading the people, he wrote these words in Deuteronomy 17, chapter 17. He, he gives future advice for the people if they ever came about to choose a king. And there's four pieces of advice there. Choose the king that God chooses. Don't lead, don't take a lead from the cultures around you and don't, don't, uh, and do copy and read the words of the law every day. So the advice to future kings was take God's word seriously. Just as Samuel had done, what did Samuel do when he was in the situation, this tricky situation? He went to God, asked God, what, what's the wisdom of God in this situation? You know, and in these days with social media, um, social media is great for connecting with people, connecting with new ideas. But the people running it, are they interested in the common good? Are in, they interested in our good? There's various filters and algorithms. There's push notifications and advertising, all um, to make us use social media more, not 
for for our good, and we need to make deliberate choices to um, to decide to bring uh, God's word into our life, to dwell on that, to get to know it, to understand it. Kevin DeYoung, theologian and and uh, church leader, says whether we like it or not, all of us are being shaped by the world, and unless we commit to God shaping us by His word, we will be shaped contrary to it. Um, over the last seven years, I've been leading huddles. Huddles in our church are when leaders gather together in small groups to um, to explore together what God is saying to us, to be accountable for what God is saying to us, to encourage one another. And I've had that privilege and um, I've learned a lot. But one of the things, common things that comes up every year, every huddle I've led is this, um, the leaders are saying we, we struggle to, to find that time to to spend time with God every day, to, to read his word. And it's great that our leaders are aware and are conscious and are pursuing um, uh, spending time with God and making that a priority and want to talk about and want to be accountable for that. And it's why at the moment we have this big read initiative, trying to read the, the New Testament through in 100 days. We need to get the word of God to understand it, to apply it to our lives and obey it so that we can be um, take our relationship with God seriously. We can let him lead us so that we can be the people that he's called us to be. And of course, the people, if we look back at the story, they um, God didn't leave them, but they chose again and again under various kings, they chose themselves out of God's leadership, from under God's leadership and authority. And they chose themselves eventually into exile away from the, the land God had given them. But even in that, God promises through the King David that he will send another king, an anointed one, who will lead them in God's ways and lead them into freedom and lead them back to fulfill the responsibility to the people, the people of God. And we know that God sent Jesus, who was that anointed one. And he comes, he came announcing the kingdom, he healed the sick, he gave sight to the blind, he preached good news to the poor, he forgave sins and he invited people to follow him. He wanted to lead them. And we know what happened. The leaders disputed his authority. By what authority are you healing? By what authority are you casting out demons? They questioned his authority and eventually accused him before Pilate of being another king. He claims to be a king. And the epithet over Jesus' head when he died on the cross was the king of the Jews. And even in John 20, the leaders say, we have no king but Caesar. So again, when Jesus came, we see the people rejecting God's kingship, choosing to take the lead from the culture around them, choosing a violent terrorist called Barabbas over the peace, bringing Jesus, who had come to bring a pink kingdom of, priest, of peace. But Jesus remained faithfully obedient, showing us the faithfulness of God, but he also fulfilled the responsibility of the calling on God's people. As he was thoroughly obedient to God. And he showed what God was like to the world. But in his rejection, at that moment of rejection, when he died on the cross, he was also enthroned forever. He overcame the ways of force, violence, of sin, or the propensity to reject God's authority. He became king again. 
when he rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God, as Paul says in Ephesians. And over the last 10 days, I've been meditating on a famous ascension passage in Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Jesus, acting like a true king, gathers after the resurrection, gathers his followers to him. They meet with him, they worship him. And he says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. And he sends them out as emissaries to extend his kingdom, not using force, but using the love fueled and patient activities of getting to know people, of teaching them to follow the ways of Jesus, of baptizing them into this big God story so that they can find their part in it. And he promises us to be promises us to be with us always, even to the end of the age. The theologian D. Guder says, now as the risen Lord sends his spirit to empower the church, we are called to become God's people present in the world, with and for the world. So as we finished, how will we respond? Jesus is king and he wants us to choose follow him, submitting to his authority in every area of our life. So asking for the Holy Spirit help, how can we more fully bring our whole lives under his leadership? Remember, this King Jesus rules in love. He warns, he lets us choose, but he doesn't leave us. Have your rejections and poor choices and mistakes in the past meant you've put yourself out of the running of God's love? I encourage you to come back and receive his love and his welcome today as we all have to receive the love of Jesus regularly. How are we developing habits of reading and understanding God's words so that we can more faithfully demonstrate his character and take our responsibility to be God's people for the sake of those around us? As we finish today, I'd love to pray and then we're going to respond in worship. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is alive. It is living because Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, is alive, reigning and ruling from heaven. And you, Lord Jesus, have sent your Holy Spirit to enliven us so that we can um, fulfill our calling and take our responsibility to be the people that you want us to be. I pray that you would give us every help and assistance in doing that as we as we seek to follow you, Jesus. So I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.